morning. Good morning. It's time to begin our worship service this morning. If you would, please take out a songbook and turn to number four. First song will be number four. We praise thee, O God, for the Son of thy love, for Jesus who died and is now gone above. Welcome everybody to our service this morning, especially those of you who are visiting with us. We do consider you honored guest. We'd ask that you'd stay afterwards and let us get to uh, greet you and know you a little bit better. We also ask that you fill out an attendance card and place that in the collection plate as it's being passed this morning. And it is great to have everybody here. Our time of service, our 9.30 Bible study uh, that just ended, of course our 10.30 Sunday morning worship. Our Sunday evening worship will be tonight at 5 p.m., and our Wednesday evening worship will be at 7 p.m. Our sympathy is extended to Pat Warren on the loss of her granddaughter, Monica Winfrey. Visitation is today from 2 to 4 at McReynolds Nave and Larson Funeral Home. The celebration of life service will begin at 4 p.m. Uh, please keep Ms. Pat, Dari, Nancy, and family in your prayers. We do have several listed uh, and our bulletin is sick, so please keep these individuals in your prayers. Patsy Heron, Beverly King, Shelby Knox, Suzanne Davis, uh, Al Morris, Roger Dell Holt, and Marvin Holt. There will be Bible Bowl practice today at 4 p.m. Trenton Crossing, Church of Christ, end of summer special with Walt Lever will be Wednesday, August 31st at 6.30 p.m. There is a flyer uh, in the foyer with more information. The Ladies Sewing Group will begin again on this Thursday, September 1st at 1230 at the church. They are in need of gently used t-shirts, sizes large to 3X. Please place the t-shirts in the laundry basket in the carrying corner uh, for the group to use. Ladies, you're invited to a wedding shower for Story and Jose Rosales on Sunday, September 11th at 2 p.m. in the Fellowship Hall. They are registered at Target. We will have a fall canvas painting class for the ladies and girls 6th grade and up on Saturday, September 17th. It will be a 5.30 potluck with painting to begin at 6.30. Sign up by September 9th. The cost is $5. Lylewood Christian Camp is having their fall retreat for grades 7 through 12 on September 16th through 18. It will be directed by Noah Eastland and Dale Murray. You can register online at lylewood.org. If you need more information, you can see Noah. The men's retreat will be October 14th through the 15th at Kentucky Dam Village. There's a sign-up sheet in the foyer if you and or guest are interested in attending. Please also let Howard Fraser know by September 11th if you plan to attend so rooms can be reserved. 
There'll be a men's prayer breakfast on Saturday, September the 17th at 8 a.m. in the Fellowship Hall. Stroudsville will host the first area-wide youth Devo of the season. That'll be Sunday, September 18th at 5 p.m. Sycamore Chapel Church of Christ Homecoming is Sunday, September 18th. There's a flyer in the foyer with more information. The prison ministry needs several items for their residents. See the list in the foyer and place your items in the basket in the carrying corner by September 25th. There's also a youth Devo after worship tonight. Uh, all youth can attend, so pizza will be provided. Uh, if you can bring chips, drinks, and desserts, that would be great. And that is tonight after worship service. That's all the announcements I have. This time we'll have our reading. Reading this morning will be from John 14, 1 through 6. <clears throat> Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If, the, if it was, were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you all may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how we, can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Next song this morning will be number 275. 275. Encamped along the hills of light, ye Christian soldiers rise and press the battle ere the night shall veil the glowing skies. Against the foe in veils below, let all our strength be hurled. Faith is the victory we know that overcomes the world. Faith is the victory. Faith is the victory, oh glorious victory that overcomes the world. His banner over us is love, our sword, the word of God. We tread the road, the saints above, with shouts of triumph trod. By faith they, like a whirlwind's breath, swept on o'er every field. The faith by which they conquered death is still our shining shield. Faith is the victory, faith is the victory, oh glorious victory that overcomes the world. To him that overcomes the foe, white raiment shall be given. Before the angels he shall know his name confessed in heaven. Then onward from the hills of light, our hearts with love aflame, will vanquish all the hosts of night in Jesus' conquering name. Faith is the victory, faith is the victory, Our Heavenly Father, we're thankful for this day, thankful for the opportunity we have to be here to gather in your name and to sing songs of praise unto you, to worship you, God. Lord, as we continue our worship this morning, we pray that we're able to give you the focus and, and our heartfelt worship that you deserve, Lord. Lord, just pray that we're not going through the motions of worship, but truly focusing on what all you have done uh, for us and how we look forward to being with you in heaven someday. 
Lord, I'm so thankful for this congregation. I just ask that you please be with many of our members who are sick and not doing well. Lord, I'd like to specifically mention this time, Miss Patsy Heron, uh, thankful for her successful surgery recently, Lord. Just pray that you continue to heal her and she's able to be back with us real soon. Lord, we pray for Brother Marvin Holt. His uh, recent diagnosis, Lord, just ask that you please uh, be with him and, and comfort him and heal him if it be your will, Lord. Lord, we want to remember uh, Shelby Knox and her uh, diagnosis of aggressive uh, cancer. Lord, just ask that you uh, please uh, be with her and uh, those, uh, please help her treatments to be uh, successful. Or we want to remember Roger Dale Holt and many health issues that Roger's facing, Lord. We want to remember uh, Suzanne Davis and pray that she recovers uh, quickly from COVID and her recent fall. She's able to be back with us soon. Lord, we want to remember uh, Al Morris and his family as it sounds like he is approaching his uh, final days. Lord, just ask you please uh, comfort him, make him com- comfortable and and uh, his family too, Lord. Lord, we want to remember Sister Beverly King and her recent uh, uh, heart diagnosis. Lord, just uh, pray that you please uh, be with her and, and the family. Lord, we want to also remember Nita Carr and she's uh, had a... Re- Sustained a recent stroke, Lord, and some heart trouble. Just ask that you please uh, be with her and, and her recovery. Lord, I know there's others who are sick. Uh, we, we have so many friends and family and loved ones who are undergoing tests and treatment. We're just so thankful that we can lift uh, these names up to you in prayer and acknowledge that you you have a have a will for us, Lord, that you have a plan. Lord, let help us to just submit to... to uh, your plan for us. Lord, we also want to remember those who are carrying heavy burdens at this time. Lord, I just ask that you please be at them. Please be at those who are grieving. We want to remember Pat Warren, specifically at this time, recent loss of her granddaughter. Lord, I just pray that you please comfort her and the family. Lord, I know that there are others. and I just ask that you please, uh, please be at them. Lord, just want to uh, pause and Thank you so much for letting us live in this country. I ask that you please be with those who are currently serving uh, this country um, or in many different ways. Just ask that you please be with them and protect them. I ask for a blessing on, on the families of those who, who are doing uh, without, those, those who are um, separated because of service. Lord, just ask that you please bless families. And, Lord, I also ask that you Please uh, bless our veterans and those who have served and given up so much uh, in the past. Lord, I do pray for our leaders of our nation. Um, Pray for for wisdom. Lord, pray that they look to you for that wisdom, that uh, they uh, spend time in prayer with you. They spend time in your word. And Lord, this this nation was founded on godly principles. Lord, and we just uh, pray they're able to keep it that way and be able to enjoy the the freedoms that we we enjoy, Lord, we pray that we don't take that for granted, and and we know that praying for our leaders is is part of that. Lord, know there's a lot of turmoil in the world. Lord, we specifically want to uh, lift up Ukraine, and Lord, just all the uh, tragedy that's recently happened there. Lord, and just know that you you have a have a a plan for them as well. Lord, we're just uh, so thankful for Jesus, and uh, thankful for. Him coming to earth, coming to this earth to live as a man, ultimately give himself up on a cross for us, Lord. As we're about to partake in uh, communion, we pray that we are able to focus on that sacrifice and that uh, all the things that are out of our control day to day and and going on in this world that focus on Jesus is something that we can control and ultimately uh, will mean mean the most to us and it's the most important thing because it it determines on where we. We'll spend our eternity, Lord, it's through his name that we pray. Amen. Following this next song, we'll partake of the Lord's Supper together. Your only son, no sin to hide, but you have sent him from your side. 
your gift of love. They crucified, they laughed and scorned him as he died. The humble king they named a fraud and sacrificed the morning I want to read 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verses 23 through 28. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had gave thanks he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup. When he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. Do this, do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do so to the Lord's death till he comes. Whosoever, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord, unworthy shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. When you really think about our lives, our lives is built on directions. We go through, we have directions in every day. It could be the teacher teaching you how to solve a math problem. It could be following a recipe on how to prepare a dish for dinner. It could be how to put a piece of furniture together. You know, sometimes young people have trouble following directions when we as parents give them orders. You know, the Word has also given us direction when partaking of the Lord's Supper. Not necessarily the order, the bread, the fruit of the vine, but also the direction on how we should be thinking when partaking of these emblems. I want to consider just for a few moments the verses in 1 Corinthians 11 regarding the directions, not when something is to take place, but how something is to take place when it comes to the Lord's Supper. First, we are to direct our thoughts upward. In verse 24, when they had given thanks, they were thinking upward. In verse 25, thinking backwards, when he said, do this in remembrance of me. He is instructing us to look back at the death when we partake of the Lord's Supper. 
in verse 26, when we, when we proclaim the Lord's death, so we're looking outward, looking forward to when He comes. This is the day that He will appear again at the end of time. And in verse 28, let a man examine himself. We must look inward into ourselves to make sure that we're doing this in a worthy manner. In these verses, he is directing our minds as we are partaking of the Lord's Supper. Look upward, think upward, think backwards, think outward, think forward, and think inward. The Bible is full of directions for man. God gives us everything we need for eternal life. And something as simple as serving the Lord's Supper on the first day of the week. He gives us directions on how we're to direct our thoughts during this time. So let's keep our thoughts and our minds focused on Jesus and what He did for us as we partake of the Lord's Supper. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You so much for this beautiful Lord's Day and this opportunity that we have to gather around the table and reflect back on the awesome sacrifice that you were so willing to come to this earth and live among men and die a cruel death on the cross. Dear Father, as we partake of this unleavened bread, it represents your body that you so willingly gave for each and every one of us. May we partake of it in a manner well-pleasing in thy sight. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's pray. In like manner, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the content of this cup, the fruit of the vine. To us, us as Christians represents Christ's shed blood as he shed on the cross of Calvary for the mission of our sins. May we examine ourselves and take of it in a manner well-pleasing in thy sight. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
That concludes the Lord's Supper. Now we'll have a prayer for the offering. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we once again we thank you for this beautiful Lord's Day and we thank you for the opportunity we have to come together and worship you. Heavenly Father, we just thank you at this time that we have set aside to uh, lay back and snore. Heavenly Father, we just pray that uh, everything that we do is complete accordance to your will. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for uh, this great country in which we live in. And Heavenly Father, we just thank you for our jobs that we have and our health that we're able to work and provide for our families. And Heavenly Father, as we have an opportunity to give back to thee, May we do so as we've been prospered and give with a cheerful heart. And the funds that's collected, Heavenly Father, that we can go and spread the gospel throughout this community and throughout the world. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. If you'd like to mark the invitation song this morning, it'll be number 559, number 559. Now before the lesson, let's all stand and sing number 72, number 72. I know that my Redeemer lives and ever prays for me. I know eternal life he gives from sin and sorrow free. I know, I know that my Redeemer lives. I know, I know eternal life he gives. I know, I know that my Redeemer lives. He will. I know, I know that my Redeemer lives. I know, I know eternal life he gives. I know, I know that my Redeemer lives. I know that over yonder stands a place prepared. Good morning. 
It's good to have each of you here today. We appreciate our gospel meeting we had last Sunday with Brother John Cantrell, our Friends and Family Day, and thank you for those of you who supported and, and attended our, our meeting each night. We uh, are grateful that he brought us lessons from the Word of God. Today I want to begin a lesson series that uh, focuses on the story of Esther, and so I'd ask you to open up your Bibles to the Old Testament, to the book of Esther. There are actually 10 chapters in the book, and what I'd like to do, if you would, go ahead, if you have time this week, set aside the time to read those 10 chapters and learn the story. Be familiar with the story, because what we want to do next Sunday is hit the ground running and do a little character study of three main characters found in the book of Esther. What can we learn from the story of Esther? A a beautiful young woman, a, a Jew who was an orphan who in a time where she needed to stood up and spoke on behalf of her people. And she took great steps and showed great bravery. What can we learn from Esther, this story? And, and I understand as I bring this lesson today, there are many of you, most of you who are familiar with the story of Esther, you know the background story, but there may be some here today who don't know about Esther. And so I want to do a little bit of an introduction, a historical timeline to show where it falls in context of time, why it was important, what had happened to the people, why are they there. And so the main thing I want you to remember about today in our next slide, it says that God can use extraordinary believers to do extraordinary believers to do extraordinary things. In other words, Esther is just a little orphan girl. She's been taken into a strange land where they speak speak a different language. Her parents are not around. She's been adopted basically by a relative who is a mentor to her, a dad who fills in. And because of her beauty, had nothing to do with anything she did. She was just born that way. Because of her extreme beauty on the outside, she catches the eye of people who want to look for a new queen. And as the story progresses, we see that Esther has an opportunity to stand up and make her voice heard and to plead her case before the king to save her people. If you'll turn to Esther chapter 4, I'll give you just a moment to find that if you haven't already in the Old Testament, we're going to look at verse 14. And this will be a little bit of a theme text for us each Sunday as we look at the story of Esther. Here her relative Mordecai, and the best we can tell, Esther and Mordecai are probably cousins. They're probably cousins. He's a senior cousin, an older man who's sort of taken that role of a father. But he says to Esther when she needs to stand up and say something on behalf of her people in front of this powerful king. For if, you, he says, you keep silent at this time, Relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Esther 4, verse 14. Esther, this is your time. This is your place. This is your day. God has put you in these circumstances to take a stand for your people. We're going to talk about this story more next week, and I want you to read the chapters, get your uh, mind around the story of Esther, but there's three things that I want you to focus on uh, in today's lesson, and they apply to us today, probably more so than most of us realize. Number one, all of us as God's people must have courage. Don't be ashamed of who you are and who you represent. And we're going to see Esther showed extraordinary courage when she needed to stand up and be heard. Don't be ashamed of who you are and who you belong to and have courage. This world is an evil world. It is a fallen world that we live in. And there are times that when we as God's people need to stand and say, I am a child of God And God says, this is sin. 
I will not be involved in this. Even if there's a law that's passed that says this is acceptable. Even if society is going down a different path, I will stand with God and I will take courage in this stance. Even if it costs me, even if I'm arrested, even if I'm harassed, even if I'm fired from my job, I will stand with God. The second thing I want you to remember is that for all of us in our Christian walk, there will be a time to speak. Ecclesiastes says there's a time for every purpose under heaven. There's a time to kill, a time to, to make alive, a, a time to rend apart, a time to sow. There's a time to speak, a time to be silent. We need to know when it is our time to speak. And, and if there were ever a time... In, in our changing society to speak up, maybe it is time now, church, to stand up and say, this is what God says, and I will say it without shame. The last thing I want you to remember today in our lesson about Esther is, just as was happening in her time, and we'll see this as the story unfolds and we, we look more in detail at the characters of the story of Esther, even today, listen, church, there are diabolical forces at work around us. Let me say that again. There are diabolical forces at work around us that try to undo what God has taught, that try to undo what made us as a nation to be a great people who loved and feared God. And so understand that we are fighting, we are fighting a spiritual war, and we need to understand that we are at war if we are in Christ. So Esther chose not to stay silent. She realized that she delivered her Jewish people and that God had placed her in these circumstances to take a, time, a stand in such a time as this, Esther 4 and verse 14. Today being more of an introductory lesson, what I want to do is talk a little about the timeline and the events surrounding Esther. I've never really had anybody do this in a sermon series, and so I thought it would be wise to talk about the historical background of the book of Esther. Why was Esther where she was? What made her be in that environment, in that situation, in that country? And so let's talk about when this event happened. In the Old Testament, obviously, before Jesus Christ arrived, let's go to some key events in and around the book of Esther. Number one, this was the latter part of captivity, all right? So you may recall that God had sent several prophets, the last one being uh, the prophet Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, who kept warning God's people, repent, turn away from your sins, put your idolatry away from you, Get rid of the corruption that has happened in the political circles among your leaders and the priests. Turn to me, honor me, remember the Sabbath, and keep it holy. But God's people continue to ignore those warnings. And so we have what's called a period of captivity. It was a period that lasted 70 years where the Jews were carried off by force into a place of exile. So... In the writing of the book of Esther, this is toward the end of that 70 years of captivity in a foreign land, and some of the people had actually been allowed to return to Jerusalem in waves. Think of it as various waves of Christians who had returned and had actually started building the temple. So some of God's people had begun to return at the end of the captivity, some were still in captivity. This is when Esther took place. You remember Daniel, the great prophet, the one who could interpret dreams and saw visions? Daniel is still alive. He's still in a foreign land. He gives another vision that is recorded. And by this time, Daniel has survived being in the lion's den. You remember that great story you learned as a child, Daniel in the lion's den, the king called down, Daniel, Daniel, are you still alive? Is your God delivered you? Daniel has been delivered from the lion's den, but is still serving as a noble in a foreign land. Several psalms, if you turn to the psalms, are actually written about this time, giving praise and credit to God 
and celebrating that these uh, exiles are now gradually returning to the homeland. So a lot of things are going on at this time when Esther is written. Where does it take place? It takes place in the Persian Empire, somewhere we think around 535 B.C. to 425 B.C., somewhere in that time period. This is according to Brother F. Lagarde Smith when he wrote the Daily Bible. Those of you that are not aware of this, there is a chronological Bible you can read yearly which starts at the beginning of events in the creation in Genesis and takes you through the whole Bible in chronological order. It's a fascinating study, a fascinating read, but according to F. Lagarde in the Daily Bible, who is a scholar, he suggests this time period of 535 to 425 B.C. Now, let's turn back a couple of chapters. If you're in chapter 4, let's go back to chapter 2. And I want to tell you about one of our main characters that we'll be discussing in the next couple of three weeks. And that is the character of Mordecai. Mordecai. In chapter 2, verse 5 through 6. Chapter 2, verses 5 through 6. The Bible tells us, There was a Jew in Susa, the citadel, whose name was Mordecai the son of Jer, son of Shimni, son of Kish, a Benjamite, who had been carried away from Jerusalem among the captives carried away with Jeconiah, king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had carried away. And so basically, uh, if you noticed in Esther 2, 5 through 6, I've underlined the phrase carried away. It appears, I think, three times. Times, all right? So Mordecai, he's from the tribe of Benjamin. He was carried away. He carried away from Jerusalem. He was carried away with the captives. With Jeconiah, king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, did what? Carried away. If you haven't figured out by now, these folks were taken by force. They didn't just say, hey, let's go on a trip. Let's go to a foreign land. We're going to check out uh, this other pagan land. No, they were carried away. They were captured, put in chains, and marched in long procession lines to a foreign land. Why? Why were they carried away by force? Well, as I mentioned earlier in the next slide, this was the beginning of the prophesied captivity for a period of 70 years. Now, poor Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, he had been sent by the Lord to talk to a people who did not want to hear his message. Stop saying these things, Jeremiah. We don't want to hear you anymore. If you don't quit saying these terrible things about what's going to happen to us, we'll just kill you. Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, even as he proclaims God's truth and message about this impending period of captivity, they throw him in a dry well. And he sank up to his waist in mud. As far as they were concerned, let him dry. Let him die. Let him rot in this well. We're tired of him. We don't want to hear him anymore. He was thrown in jail. There's a great lesson if we study the character of Jeremiah. And that is a man who God dispatched to tell the truth. And he told the truth. And the people hated him for it. You see, their hearts were hard. They didn't want to hear The truth, sound familiar? They didn't want to hear God's word. They said, just give us good messages. Give us words that make us feel good. Jeremiah said, oh no, if you don't repent, something terrible is going to happen. These people were taken by force because three times in Esther Chapter 2, verses 5 and 6, they were carried away and they ignored the warnings that the prophets had given them. Now, I want to flip very quickly to Jeremiah chapter 13, verse 17, where Jeremiah is giving one of these unwelcome messages to the people. I can almost see Jeremiah talking and they go like this. You ever had your toddler do that? Moms or dads? Don't want to hear it? Don't want to hear it? No, 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 no. Can't hear what you're saying. 
Right? You ever been like that? The people were. Jeremiah chapter 13, verse 17. Jeremiah writes, But if you will not listen, my soul will weep in secret for your pride. My eyes will weep bitterly and run down with tears. Because the Lord's flock has been taken captive. If you fast forward in Jeremiah 13 to verse 20, now speaking about the enemy that's coming, Jeremiah through the Spirit says to the people warning them, lift up your eyes and see those who come from the north. We know at the time who he's speaking of is the Babylonian army. The Babylonian army under the direction of King Nebuchadnezzar is on its way. By the way, if you've ever wondered and want to study what caused this King Nebuchadnezzar to take God's people captive, you will learn if you're an astute Bible student that it was God who prompted Nebuchadnezzar to take the people captive. It was all part of God's punishment. Chapter 20, or verse 24. I will scatter you like chaff driven by the wind from the desert. This is your lot, the portion I have measured out to you, declares the Lord. Why, God, why? Because you, my people, you have forgotten me and trusted in lies. So we see that in this timeline, this events of history, during the siege of Jerusalem, many Jews were taken to Babylon It's interesting that Jeremiah in this event, in this timeline, is actually given an option by the the commander of Nebuchadnezzar's army. He says, Jeremiah, do you want to stay? Do you want to go? I'm going to give you that option. You make the decision what you want to do, but as for these people, they will be taken as prisoners in chains to a new land of Babylon, under the order of King Nebuchadnezzar. Now, King Nebuchadnezzar, what a great and fascinating story. We know that he was a man filled with pride. He'd take great great honor in his kingdom. We see that God strikes him him down because of his pride, and he actually goes into the wilderness and is like a wild beast on all fours. His hair grows long. His fingernails are long. He eats the grass of the field. But he regains his sanity and once again leads, and it's a fascinating story. Fast forward in this timeline to another one who's in charge of Babylon. We see a commander, a king called Belshazzar, right, who is a Babylonian. And so on my next slide, I have a picture of this uh, king who is having a wow, knockout feast, I mean, we're talking, he, he pulled out all the stops, wine, celebrated, a huge feast. And in his pride and in his arrogance, and by the way, did I mention that he uses as utensils for this great banquet, things have been taken from God's temple, the artif- artifacts of worship that were holy. In this great temple, I think his hand is actually laying on a gold plate that was probably used in God's original tabernacle, temple. We see in his pomp, in his circumstance, in his arrogance, and his pride, a message that appears on the wall. You ever heard the phrase, the writing on the wall? That's where it came from. The message is from God. The message says, your kingdom is ended You've been weighed in the balance and you've fallen short, King Belshazzar. You see, in Daniel chapter 5, in verse 30 through 31, as he's trembling, as he's shaking, as this hand appears and a message is written on the wall, Daniel records in chapter 5, that very night, Belshazzar, the Chaldean Babylonian king, was killed. And Darius, the Mede, received the kingdom. What does that mean? That means that that was the end of the Babylonian Empire. And now 
The Medes and the Persians are taking over. King Belshazzar, who follows after King Nebuchadnezzar, dies at the hands of the Medes, the Persians, that very night. A new empire emerges. Daniel predicted this would happen. And so now I take you to a slide that shows the new Persian empire. It's a huge empire. As a matter of fact, everything that you see that is brown or kind of like a mustard colored, that is the Persian empire. It's huge. The king over this empire, he's a powerful king. He has now, uh, he has the uh, Medes at his disposal who are under his rule. This huge Persian empire under Xerxes I is probably the most powerful kingdom in the world. And who's in this new Persian empire? All of God's people who were taken captivity originally under the Babylonians, including a little orphan girl named Esther, including Mordecai, her relative, who was her surrogate father. Now, I have a red arrow in this map. don't know if you can see it, but it's actually pointing to a place called Susa. It's very small, but Susa is the capital of this Persian empire. In Susa, we see a king who is throwing a huge, lavish feast. Ah, but that's where Esther begins in chapter 1. We see a king that's again throwing a huge, elaborate feast. The wine is flowing freely. His queen, who apparently is extremely beautiful, is in a different part of the palace maybe in a different building altogether, showing, having her own party for all of the women and, and celebrating. Let's go to chapter 1, just quickly. It says that he was the king, verse 1 of Esther 1, who reigned from India to Ethiopia over 127 provinces. He sat in his royal throne in Susa. The third year of his reign, he gave a feast for all his officials and servants, the army of Persia and Media, and the nobles and governors. It says that this went on for about 180 days. 180 days? That's a long time to feast. That was quite a party. When these days were completed, the king gave... For all the people present in Susa, the citadel, both great and small, the feast lasting for seven days. It talks about the marble pillars, the fine linen, the purple, the couches of gold. And all the drinks were served. Drinking was according to this edict. There was no compulsion. For the king had given orders to all the staff of his palace to do as each man desired. Queen Vashti, we're told who was also giving a feast in the palace. She was summoned on the seventh day to show up and present herself. The king says, bring the queen. Now, very quickly, Vashti, to her credit, Vashti was not asked to come and play on an instrument. Show them their, your talent. Vashti was not asked to come and recite some poetry. No, no, no. Why was Vashti called? Because she was very beautiful. You see, the king had a trophy queen. He wanted to show her off. It had a lot to drink. Hey, bring this queen and show everyone how beautiful she is. And you know what Vashti said, right? Nope. Not coming. Not going to do it. I don't want to be your, your trophy queen. I'm not going to sh be shown off in front of all these people in front of this great feast in the banquet hall, not coming, not going to do it, tell the king the answer is no. king didn't like that. Made him furious. He was so angry it took him a long time to get over it. He consulted all of his advisors. What are we going to do? The queen said no. In verse 16, not only against the king has Queen Vashti done wrong, but also against all the officials, all the peoples, who are all the provinces of King Asherus. For the queen's behavior will be made known to all women, causing them to look at their husbands with contempt. What are we going to do? 
All the women are going to hear about her behavior and start acting like Queen Vashti. Guys, we've got to do something drastic here. This is not okay. So what did they do? They banned her from the palace. You have been de-queened. No longer will you serve in the palace. You can't even come in the presence of the king anymore. Your time as a queen is over. So the king decided, based on the advice of his advisors, that he was going to have the biggest beauty contest that had ever been held in the world. I want all the most beautiful young women you can find. Bring them, put all the makeup on them, and we're going to find a new queen. Verse 2 of chapter 2 says, Let beautiful young virgins be sought out for the king. Let the king appoint officers in all the provinces of his kingdom to gather all the beautiful young virgins to the harem. In Susa and Citadel, under custody of Haggai, the king's eunuch. They were given makeup. They were given perfume. We're going to make a new, young, beautiful woman queen. Now quickly, we're out of time. Let me just share with you why I like Esther. It's an interesting book for several reasons. Number one, you may not realize this, in the whole book of Esther, God is never mentioned. Isn't that interesting? Yet, He's present. He is everywhere, but He's never mentioned. Prayer specifically is also not mentioned in the book of Esther, but we know both are involved. How do we know that? Because we see God's providence, and we see the petitions of the people being raised before the Lord through fasting, and usually prayer accompanies that. What I like about Esther, frankly, is if you ladies or men enjoy novels, if you enjoy books, Esther reads like a great novel. It's a, it's a story that has fascinating characters, characters that are heroes, characters that are villains, characters that have defiance, advisors, a powerful king. We see justice carried out, and an underdog who comes out on top and on top of all that. But wait, there's more. We have God's people who are saved in the process. How? Because of God's providence and the courage of a young woman who was an orphan, who in her time stood for her people. As we close today, we're out of time. Esther shows us that God is attentive and that God is aware of His people. You believe that's true today? God is attentive and God is aware of your needs God uses courageous people and His providence to deliver them in times of need. I want to close our lesson today and just share with you that God loves His people. God loves those who are lost and who are suffering. As a matter of fact, even today, there may be someone in our group who's listening in this congregation who's hurting, who's going through depression, sadness, maybe having a very difficult time God wants to deliver you as well. Maybe you're trapped in sin or some form of addiction. Maybe you're having interpersonal problems or struggles at home, struggling with something. God loves you and wants to deliver you as well. How do we know that? Because He sent His Son, Jesus Christ. And His Son, Jesus Christ, poured out His blood, the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. And so we invite you today as we sing this invitation song about the blood of the Lamb. Are you saved by the blood of the Lamb? Do you need to be washed by the blood of the Lamb? God cares so much that He sent His one and only Son to die for you. You see, His providence is alive and well today. And maybe through this lesson today, He's calling you to respond. Do you need the saving power of God? Do you need cleansing? And do you need forgiveness? We invite you to come as we sing about the blood. Jesse.
spotless are they white as snow are you washed in the blood of the lamb lay aside the garments that are stained with sin and be washed in the blood of the lamb there's a fountain flowing for the soul unclean Oh, be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? closing song this morning will be number 479. Number 479. I'm satisfied with just a cottage below, a little silver and a little gold. But in that city where the ransom will shine, I want a gold one, that silver line. I've got a mansion just over the hilltop in that bright land where we'll never grow old. And someday yonder we will never more wander, but walk the streets that are purest gold. Think me poor or deserted or lonely. I'm not discouraged. I'm heaven bound. I'm just a pilgrim in search of a city. I want a mansion, a robe and a crown. I've got a mansion just over the hilltop in that bright land where we'll never grow old. And someday yonder we will never more wander, but walk the streets that are purest gold. Will you bow me, please? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity we've had to gather together this morning and fellowship with one another and commune with you. We just pray that we would never take these opportunities for granted and the freedoms that we have uh, to come together. Father, we thank you for this avenue of prayer that we can lift up uh, the names of our sick, and we just ask you to be with all those that have been mentioned here this morning, that you would help to heal them if it be your will, that you would comfort them, be with the doctors and nurses that attend to them. Father, we thank you for your son. We thank you for his willingness to, to come to this earth and, and go to the cross on our behalf. We thank you for, for the love that, that you have for us, for the love that he had for us for doing this. And we pray that we would never forget the suffering and sacrifice that he did for us. Father, we ask you to be with those that have lost loved ones, we especially ask you to be with Miss Pat Warren's family and, and the loss of her granddaughter. We just ask you continue to comfort them. Father, we ask you to be with all the the men and women that serve our country, those that are leaders of our country, that you would be with them in all the decisions they make. And we just pray that you would continue to bless us here, bless this congregation here at Strouds. We'll be with the the elders, the deacons. Father, we just ask you to be with us as we depart here and bring us back at the next point of time. Watch over and protect us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.